This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. We're going to be talking about the anointing again tonight, and I just, I told Pastor Dave a while ago, I've been, I've been doing this so many years, that just that found out last week that I was limited how long I'd go on a Sunday night, so that really cut it back, so I've got so much to say, so I'm just going to be led by the Holy Spirit, which direction to go and how to do it, and I guess this will end up being a series, it looks like, where we'll go, but the main thing is, the world's so dark, and we're so light. We are the light of the world, Jesus said. We've got the answers, they've got the problems, but if we don't know how to get the help to them, then we can't help them, and that's what that's what the Word of God's all about. I want to show you this book again. And we have other books back there that help you in this area. But it's called Understanding the Anointing. And I know that when I, when I teach things tonight, it'll help you understand more. As we teach on it, look at things. As you study things and books like this, it'll help you understand more. But, uh, you know, there, there, there's, there's an expression I used when I was praying called make a demand on the anointing. Make a demand on the gift on the inside of me that God's given me to be a pastor and a Bible teacher. That the more you expect to get out of something, the more you get. And when you use your faith when you come to a church service, and you go in saying, like any service you come into, Lord, I ask you to talk to me today. Jesus, I've got these problems and you've got the answers. And I'm asking you to move on the man of God, the woman of God. Show them what to say that will help me see what I need to see to help my loved ones. Show, show them what to do. And a lot of times when a preacher's preaching, that's why they'll say things like this. Well, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I just feel I have to say this. And people are sitting out there, that's what they prayed on the way in. As in the Holy Spirit that's in you, moved on the gift of God inside of the man or woman of God, and they said that, and then moved on. I can't tell you how many times, like even in the last few months, people tell me, Pastor, you know, this last year when I was going through this, I remember what you told me. And they'll say something like that. And I'll just grin because I had no idea I told them. I had no idea I said it. But so what I'm saying is this, at a church service, and sometimes it's even harder for the, for the pastor, you know, when you're in a place this big with people spread out. But when you've got your heart set on it, and there's an expectancy in the atmosphere, there's an expectancy. You come expecting to receive, then God pulls it out of the man of God. And it comes to you. That's making a demand on the gift, a demand on the anointing. Amen. And so if you'll learn that, if you'll learn that in church services, no matter where it's at, you always go expecting that God's going to talk to you personally and you're going to get something. Then that makes the gift flow so much easier to help people. Amen. Amen. So that's just, that's just a little bit about the anointing, but I think tonight I'm going to go the direction of laws that govern the anointing. Laws that govern the anointing. I'll tell you more what that means in a minute. But I want to, I want to look at three quick passages. A couple of them I looked at last week, but I will look at them again because we need to be on the same page. Look at Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And this month we're going through the book of Acts in our daily scripture readings together. But I want to give you a chance to get there. Because you need to see things like this. And of course, I'm just taking one verse out of this whole chapter. But this is a key verse to your Christian life. 
And, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know about you, but ever since I got born again in 1980, and I was baptized in the Holy Ghost, and found out the power of God worked in me just like it did any big name preacher or anybody else, cause it wasn't them, but it was God in them. Ever since I've learned this, I've always, since early 1980, laid hands on people, taken authority over demon spirits in people's lives, and to me, from where I came from, from the discos in the 70s and, and places I was, there's no greater thrill than to see a person receive healing. There's no greater thrill than to see somebody that was seriously addicted to alcohol or drugs or other things to be able to cast the devil out of them. And then like that madman of Gadara that's in, that, 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 that's in Matthew and Mark in the Bible, that that man, that man, that, that was symbolic of today. If that man was in chains, says fetters and ours, he was chained up. He was so mean, people couldn't be around him. And there's people in our lives like that today. But with that man, it says he was clothed in his right mind. It is so wonderful to have somebody cross your path that God gives you a chance to minister and help in life that all of a sudden they're coming to your church with you. They're clothed and in their right mind. To me, that's the biggest high there is in the whole world. See people's lives changed and know that God flowed through you to do it. You don't get a big head, but you just brag on your big God. Amen. So Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus said, but you shall receive power after that or when the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. So he told the, he to, he to, he told the people there, said, when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, you'll receive power and you'll be witnesses unto me. And I know that I, I said under T.L. Osborne years ago and uh he really made that real to me about what that meant. If you go to court and you're a witness, then you've got credibility. Because you saw something, you experienced something, and it's not just that somebody told you, well, here's what I think happened. You get in the court and you say, well, I'll tell you what, uh, there's a girl goes by church named Jamie, and Jamie told me this is what she saw. They'll say inadmissible. That's hearsay. If Jamie can't come and testify... The case is closed. But I say, I saw this happen. I was there. I experienced this. They'll say, okay, enter that into evidence. A witness is an evidence producer. And so if I'm witnessing to a sinner or an addict or somebody else, and I say, I'll tell you what, I heard this man preaching on the radio, and this man preached on the radio, here's what he said, that's not much credibility to this person. But what I say, I was just like you at one point in time. I was a serious drinker. I ran around, did things in the dark that sinners do. And I met Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came into my life, forgave me my sins. And here I am today. This is what Jesus did for me. And then I say, can I pray for you? And I pray for them. And the anointing of God comes out of me through my hands or through my words. That anointing hits them, and they start shaking, and they start crying. I produce the evidence that Jesus Christ is real. He said, you shall receive power after you've got the Holy Ghost. He said, because you've got the power, you'll be witnesses, or you'll produce the evidence that I'm risen from the dead. That's what Jesus told him. And then as you study the book of Acts, you're going to see, 
that he said, this is for you and for all future generations to have the same power. Amen. That includes us where we are right now. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. And so I said last week that, that the Holy Ghost and power are synonymous. When you receive the real Holy Ghost, you receive the real power. And that power means anointing. And I want you to look again at Acts 10 or Isaiah 10, 27. Isaiah 10, 27. And I always, I always, my whole Christian life, I was taught, and I teach it this way, I always like the Bible to define Bible words. You know, if you go to Google, or you go to Webster's, or a lot of other people, you look up anointing, I don't know what it might say. But I go to God's dictionary, and God tells me what he means when he says anointing, when he says power. Amen? So Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27 Isaiah 10, verse 27. I just want to make sure everybody has a chance to be there. By the way, I meant to ask you, how's the sound? Are you hearing me okay back there? Maybe you guys hear me okay? Well, you know what I found out? In this middle section, a lot of times it does better because I've been to some funerals lately, weddings here, and things like that. And they're working on the speakers to get it changed. But I told Pastor Dave after sitting over there, I thought, man, I want to make sure people hear what's going on. It makes no difference how good what it is that we're preaching if you can't get it. And so if you have trouble hearing over here, you might move more towards the middle. But uh, in the middle, it seems like it comes out a whole lot better. How are you guys hearing back there? Is everything okay there? Yeah, the middle's fine, she said. Yeah, so if you're having trouble over there, just get to the middle. It'll help you some. But Isaiah 10, 27, this tells you what the power is that Jesus said you receive when you receive the Holy Ghost. It says, as it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder, his yoke from off thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. The yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. And so this burden we're talking about, this yoke on people's necks, I don't know about you, but I know back when I was messed up, when I was a sinner, I wanted free. And people pointing the finger at me, preaching at me, didn't help me get free. Well, don't you know that's wrong? Don't you know that's wrong? And all I think is, yeah, I know it's wrong and I hate it. I don't like to keep doing this. I don't want to do this no more. I, wa- I, I don't like this. And it was a yoke. You know, I hate to say it, but I, but I smoked four packs of cigarettes a day back during the 60s and 70s. Four packs of Yarbrough's and Marlboro's. And, and, as a young guy, I, I just felt like I had a weight on my chest. I had so much ugly in me from those cigarettes. And Miller's High Life. I, 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 loved, I loved that Miller so much as a sinner. I made a deal with the liquor store guy. I'd buy a dozen cases of Miller's. 24, I don't know what they sell the stuff now, but it was a big case of 24 12-ounce bottles. I'd buy those at a dozen cases at a time, and I'd stash them just so I'd get a better deal. I mean, I was a serious sinner. I wasn't much into marijuana and stuff because Indiana didn't do much of that stuff. The California hadn't caught up yet out there. But the little bit I did, the little bit I did sure made me goofy. And so anyway, I, di- I didn't like going into work on a truck dock after drinking a bunch of beer and smoking all night long, going there, bending over to pick up a box and my head felt like it was going to go, boom. I hated that. I didn't like that life. I didn't know how to get free. But when I gave my life to Jesus... And the anointing of God began to work in my life. I got free. 
that was a, those things were a yoke. They were a burden. And Isaiah 10, 27 says, they shall be removed and destroyed because of the anointing. And so to me, from this verse, I like to say it this way. God's anointing is his burden-removing, yoke-destroying power. The anointing of God, according to the Bible, is the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. And I found out, out of a lot of years of preaching and being around people, that you can do all the preaching you want to, all the teaching you want to, it does produce faith. But for addicts, people with serious addictions, alcoholics, the only thing that's going to set them free is the burden removing, yoke destroying power of God. We've got to have it in our services. We've got to have it in our lives. We've got to walk in it. And so anyway, I want to go to Luke 4. I'm just, like I said, I've really got some things written down here, but I've got to follow the flow. And I want to show you this. Because he said... Uh, Isaiah said in that day, so I want to remind you of Luke 4. We looked at this one last week too, but need to see it again. Luke 4, verse 17, 18, 19, I'll, I'll look at those verses. I, I, I want to show you some things night after we get past this, but you've got to see these things first because we've got to be on the same page, you know. I think about going to a class in a class in school. If you miss the foundation foundational introduction to classes in school, and they're talking about things, think, man, they never taught me what's what's this two plus two stuff. I never learned two plus two. You guys, I I missed that class. I said four times four. What's that X mean? I don't know what that X means in the middle of these two fours, but X. What's that mean? I must have missed that class. And so as we look at verses like this, if you miss that class. This is going to show you what we taught in that class. And at the same time, uh, good teaching is repetition. Just keep bringing the facts out over and over and over again. Why do you have to keep bringing about over and over and over again? Because some people are slow learners. Amen. And things like this, the difference between life and death in a lot of situations. And so, here we go. Luke chapter 4, verse 17. Jesus went to the synagogue to read. And it delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And this here's from uh, Isaiah 61. And he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach. And I, I, I just want to stop right there with that, because a preacher that's called of God, that cultivates his spirit, Spends time with Jesus, doesn't just get up here and read words and say good things. There's the bird removing, yoke destroying, power of God on the preaching. Amen. Says to preach the gospel. He talks about getting people delivered, healed, blinded, all those kind of things. And so preachers have an anointing. I talk about real Bible preachers that spend time with God. Have an anointing upon them that Jesus had on him because Jesus didn't have a different Holy Spirit than we have. We got the same Holy Spirit. He's the one that calls us. He's the one that gifts us. He's the one that sends us. So would Jesus send us out to do something without having the same help he had? No. We got that same anointing. And so I can say with confidence, the Spirit of the Lord's upon me because he has anointed me with his burden removing, yoke destroying power to help you. And so that's a preacher's anointing. But Jesus said that that's because the Spirit of God's upon him. How many here... Believe in the Holy Spirit. How many have the Holy Spirit in them? 
Amen. So you know what? I'm going to show you from 1 John chapter 2. You've got the same thing, except there's a different level for preachers because it's a, it's a different anointing, but it's the same Holy Spirit. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 20 and 27 I want to look at. And this is important that you see this. And, you know, I want to say this too about Bible things. The more you talk about what God's doing on you, through you, for you, the more faith you'll have in it, and the more it'll work. If you see yourself as a worm, as a loser, as somebody that God could never use, then guess what? He wants to, but you'll stop him from doing it. But Jesus boldly said, the Spirit of the Lord's upon me because he's anointed me. You need to start talking about this anointing in you. We're going to look at these verses here. You need to start believing and saying, the Spirit of the Lord's upon me because he's anointed me to help these people. He's anointed me to get my uncle set free. He's anointed me to get the devil off my child. He's anointed me to help me do this. He's anointed my marriage. His anointing's working in my finances. The Spirit of the Lord's working in me because he's anointed me. First John chapter 2, verse 20, and the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle John, talking to everyday believers like you and like me. I've got a preacher's anointing, but before that I had this anointing, and I still live by this anointing. He said in verse 20, but you have an unction, or the Greek word for that unction there say word for anointing. You have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. The anointing of God in you will show you things you need to see, and it'll help you in life. But you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. And look at verse 27. But the anointing which you have received of Him abides in you, and you need not that any man teach you, but the same anointing teaches you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie. And even this have taught you, you shall abide in Him. And so that's not saying you don't need Bible teachers. That's saying that God can teach you the Bible, but that you need Bible teachers to help mature you and grow in it and see things you didn't see. But it's that anointing in you that enables you to be sitting in a service like this, and all of a sudden something clicks, and you got it. Or all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you remember other verses, and you can't wait to get home, start going through your Bible and devouring it, and just eating it up because they can, man, I need to hear that. But anyway... I call this the believer's anointing. He says that we all have an anointing. That anointing is the burden removing, yoke destroying power of God. That anointing is the presence of Jesus. That anointing is the Holy Spirit in you, enabling you to do things supernaturally beyond what a regular, non-spirit-filled human being can do. Amen? So you have that anointing, and you can do things that just everybody can't do. But tonight... As we, as we got the little foundation laid, I want to show you some things about the anointing in everyday life. I want you to go to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Because the direction the Lord's wanting to go tonight is to show you how you can cooperate with Him to increase your anointing. To receive more from His anointing. And to be able to help other people even. And so you can cultivate your spirit to increase the anointing in your life. And especially 
If you're going to be ministered to people, and by that I'm not talking about necessarily about something like this, but if you know you're getting ready to go to a hospital room, I don't know if they let you go now or not. In normal times you do, I always did. But anyway, if you know you're going to go minister to somebody that's sick, you need to get yourself in the best position for the anointing to flow. If you're going to be going into a situation, say for example, you got people that's uh, God, God set you up with or having marriage troubles, and they know that you're a person that knows God, they'll say, is there any way you can come and talk to us? Any way you can help us? Well, you don't want to be sitting there just watching goofy TV and playing on the Internet and go over there and think you're going to have a great anointing, because you're not. But there's things you do to be in position for that anointing to flow from you to get the devil off their home so they can succeed. Amen? And so, and so we're looking at ways to increase the anointing. But I want you to notice here, in Luke chapter 5, and uh, I'm going to look at verse 15. Luke chapter 5, verse 15. And Jesus was getting a reputation as he went around uh, Israel ministering. It says, but so much the more went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed. To hear and to be healed. You've got to be a person if you're going to help people that tell them what the Bible says. Because you're setting them up to receive because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so they came to Jesus to hear what God had to say through him. And that put faith in them. And then they were set up to receive healing by him of their infirmities. And then verse 16 is a big clue for you and for me to be in position for more power or more anointing to flow through us. He withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Don't ever, ever, ever go into a serious situation to take healing or deliverance or anything else to people if you don't take the time to shut off the computer. Shut down the iPhone. Get away from people and spend time reading your Bible, <clears throat> praying in tongues, and closing your eyes, and you got to always remember that prayer is a conversation, not a monologue. Prayer is not you doing all the talking, telling God what you want Him to do, telling Him what you're going to do. Prayer is you in your prayer closet saying, Lord, I know these people, this person I'm getting ready to go to representing you, I know that you want them healed more than I do. I know you want them delivered more than I do. I know the Bible says this. You quote verses as you're talking to him. And this. And Lord, as I'm praying in tongues, I know that I'm getting built up in my spirit. But I'm asking you, sir, how do you want to do this? What do you want to say? Are there any particular verses that you want me to tell them? You want me to lay hands on them? Do you want me to anoint him with oil? Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do to help these people? And I'll just give you an example. I was thinking about one time, uh, Mrs. Pastor and I, before we were pastors, we were wannabes. And so we, we used to go door to door. We just did that because we knew we were, we were carriers of the power of God. We was in Noblesville, Indiana. That's where we went down to Martinsville, Indiana, and pioneered the church. We were going door to door. I remember we knocked on this door in this little old ghetto area. That's a little old shack, man. It's about as big as a bathroom. This little bitty old house. I mean, they were really tiny houses. And this old woman answered the door. I mean, 
As I look at it now, boy, she is old, but all right, about 60 probably. Well, she's my junior now. But anyway, back then she was old. Went in there, and we knocked on the door, and we said, we came here in the name of Jesus just to see if you need prayer for anything. This woman started crying, and she told us she'd had a stroke, I don't know when, and she was paralyzed on one side of her body. She was blind, she was blind on that side, and her arms and stuff wouldn't move. And she said, well, I'm a Christian, and I go to church. And she said, I've been praying God would send somebody to me because none of my church people have come to see me. And we said, well, Jesus said us, we're here to see you. <clears throat> and so anyway, we talked to her. She told us about the stroke. And I went to pray for her. And the Lord said, don't touch her. He said, it's a demon. And then when you know the Bible, there's a woman had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. And Jesus cast the devil out, and then the woman got healed. And so I stopped when he said that. And I talked about spending time in prayer so you're anointed, and he will teach you all things, like First John 2 says. And so he's taught me how to listen to him. And so I stopped and I looked at her. And I, I said, you foul spirit of infirmity, come out of here now in the name of Jesus. And when I said that, Mr. Pastor, right there beside me, the woman starts crying and Start moving around. Oh, 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 I'm tingling all over. She said, I can see. I can see. That was the burden removing, yoke destroying, power of God hit that lady. But once they laid on her hands, he used to tell the demon get off of her. And so my head did not tell me about a demon. The Holy Ghost in me told me. And then I've had other cases. Well, matter of fact, remember another guy. Lord sent me to another guy, an older guy, <clears throat> and he was all paralyzed from a stroke. And long story short, I laid hands on him because it wasn't a demon. I laid hands on him. The power of God went into him, and he had he had he had he had, he had, he had a great big swelled up one side of his body was swelled up so big when he bought shoes he had to buy two pairs of shoes because of two different sizes. One was way bigger than the other one. And so anyway. I went to pray for this guy. I prayed for him. And then he's just, I mean, man, just though tingling, things like that. And his swelling went down and he got healed from the stroke. And then he had a friend there. And I, I said, well, do you think we do? He said, I've wanted to wear that other shoe for years. Can you get that? And we went over and got this other shoe that he'd been looking at for years, a real fancy pair of shoes. And he put it on to fit perfectly. And so what am I saying? The burden removing, yoke destroying power of God is subject, number one, to the carrier. The carrier's got to know how to plug in. You've got it. But it's not yours, it's God's. And because it's His, you've got to be hooked up with Him to know how He wants to use it. Is that good preaching? Amen. That's true stories. So anyway, it says Jesus spent time in prayer. He backed away. And I want to emphasize this again. If you're going to minister to people, especially ones that have serious things, unplug from life. Do what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. Go to your prayer closet. And your father that sees in secret will reward you openly. And to me, I call that an open reward when you pray for people. And the burden removing, yoke destroying power of God enters their life and changes them, don't you? Amen. And so anyway, so he separated and prayed, and it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, 
that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which are come out of every town of Galilee, and Judea, and Jerusalem. Now look at this. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. And so Jesus wasn't just because he was the Son of God that came down to minister because he was on a mission like that. But he was. how many know that he was all man, he was all God? He was God in an earth suit. But because he was God in an earth suit demonstrating how a Holy Ghost believer should minister and live on earth, Jesus had to withdraw from his beloved disciples. He had to get away from the group by himself and pray. He got himself in position to be sensitive to God. And because he was, when he came in, he didn't just walk into that service where all those, you know, all, the, all that was religious elites. The Pharisees, the doctors of the law. In other words, that'd be like me coming here and having a bunch of PhDDs, religious people sitting in here. The hardest people in the whole world to minister to. Too many of them have been uh, uh, so, so religiously brainwashed by religion. That has damaged their heart for God. Amen. That says, the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And so what, what's that mean? In a service like this, if we were having our services where we were able to have lots and lots of people come in here that were really messed up in life, the power of the Lord's here. You got this alcoholic aunt that finally came to church with you. And she's sitting there. We're teaching the word of God. And the atmosphere is filled with electricity. The power of God's here. And all of a sudden your aunt that you did your best to get to church is sitting there. And we're having a regular normal service teaching the word of God. Because that's what a normal service says, teaching the word of God with the power of the Lord present. And that dear lady's sitting there. And she's the one that everybody else in your family have given up on. But you didn't. You got her in here. She's sitting there. And you know the power of the Lord's going to be here because you prayed too. As she's sitting there and all of a sudden, you still look over there. What's the matter? What's the matter with her? She's shaking. She's shaking all over. Those alcoholic demons are coming out. And then she's crying. And then, and then she calls you about, about, about Wednesday afternoon says, did I hear that preacher say that you guys have a Bible study tonight? And you said, well yeah. Uh, can I go? And you pick her up. She's got her makeup on. She's got her hair fixed. She's dressed nice and she comes in because the power of the Lord was present. Amen. And you know, I want to emphasize, we're talking about this for you too. When you go to somebody's house or meet somebody to help them. And I really, me personally, I found out years ago, if somebody's got serious problems, I really don't want to meet them in a restaurant for lunch to help them. The anointing is greatly hindered in that atmosphere. It's really hard to do anything. You're sitting with a bunch of people and noise and people coming up to your table and messing around. Now, if it's just talk to somebody, just fellowship and going to help them a little bit, that's okay. But if you're really going to help somebody, you've got to get them into an atmosphere where there's not a bunch of activity around you where you can focus eyeball to eyeball and be in a contained atmosphere to be able to really help them. Amen? Amen. And so the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And so... So Jesus 
got himself in position to be able to give them what they really need. Now, I want you to look at, because we're talking about cultivating your heart for the anointing, I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And then I want to, I want to tell you a little more about how, how these laws that govern anointing work. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse, verse 4. And 1 Corinthians 14 talks a whole lot about uh, spirit-filled praying in tongues and a lot of different things about that. <clears throat> but verse 4, this not talking about the gift of tongues in a, in, a, in a public service, but this talk about your prayer language of tongues. And we have a great book, a little mini book back there called Why Tongues by Brother Hagen. There's a lot of other books on this we could show you, but uh, they'll help you understand these things more. But before we look at tonight, you need to see this. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies himself. He that prophesies edifies the church, edifies himself. And so in your praying in your prayer closet, as you're praying in tongues, that word edify comes from a Greek word, means that builds himself up like charging a battery, builds up the power of a battery. And you know, I found out today, by the way, the battery's up to 100%, so we're good to go. He's going to work on something for me, and he want to make sure my battery's charged. It's charged because it's set for a long time. Put the charger on it, hooked up. But that battery, because it, that tractor, because it hasn't been used for a long time, it came down some. Had to hook it back up and charge it. So what he said here, when you're praying in tongues in your prayer closet, you're charging your battery up. Why do you have to charge batteries up? Well, if you've got kids sometimes, they leave lights on. Sometimes if you don't treat your car right, your battery gets old, you have to replace that battery. But for your spiritual battery, if you're going to minister to somebody as you're praying in tongues, you're building yourself up. You're charging your battery. You're charging your battery. And so I want to tell you some things about laws of government anointing. I've learned this over lots of years through lots of healing preachers I've sat under, through my own healing ministry for years and years and years and years, even if it's not a healing service, that in the the natural world, everybody's familiar for electricity. And you know that there's some materials that are good conduits, like copper. Copper is a good conduit for electricity. It flows through there, and you get a full, full flow of electricity. But then there's resistors, like wood, rubber, other things stop it. They hinder the flow of electricity. And so some things you do, if you if your electric connections get corroded, you have to clean the connections so electricity will flow. The power is there, but it's got to have the right conduit for the power to flow. And then you have resistors. That's why if you ever look on telephone poles, they got those ceramic things up there because those things stop the wires from doing things they shouldn't do. They keep on moving. But they restrict that from shocking you. And so, just as electricity is power in our world, the anointing is power in God's world. And there's some Christians that are great conduits. That's why you'll have a prayer line. You'll have people up here, and all of a sudden, the man of God, woman of God, will touch one of them on the forehead to pray, and they whoop! Man, they hit the floor. 
they grabbed the anointing like copper wiring. They were connected with God. They were expected to receive. And you touch them, man, they're out. And when it's the real thing, the genuine things happen, they may stay out for a half hour, an hour. They may be down there. And I've, I've experienced that myself in my life where I could get up for hours sometimes because I've received so much power into me the matter one but God prayed for me that I was out. And then you have resistors. You have the resistors. That's people. That's people. If we would have continued, if we would have continued Luke 5, you would have seen those doctors of the law and those Pharisees were resistors. They received nothing because they didn't expect to get anything. And then con, and then even that, because what they religiously believed was contrary to what Jesus was teaching, they shut him off. And so I found out in services, in praying for people, I've had people that I can tell as I laid hands on them to help them, the electricity was coming back into me. I'd touch them and they were resisting. In the name of Jesus. I'd say, just relax, receive. Just open up your heart and let God do what he wants to do. They were resistors. And you know, I think, I think about how God does things. How that, how powerful that power is. If anybody's ever been around the Pentecostal type things very long, you know we got a lot of shakers. And we got a lot of fakers too. That's true. We got some people that because they shook one time or saw somebody else shake, they think as soon as they get prayed for, they gotta start shaking, they're gonna get more. And nothing really happens for them. You got some people's genuine thing, because I'd seen so much of that one time in my church in Indiana on a Sunday morning, there was probably a half a dozen people come to our church for the first time on a Sunday morning. I'd never seen them before. Didn't know who they were at the end of the service, but I had a prayer line to pray for people. This one guy came up there, and he came up there, and I went to pray for him. Man, when I touched this guy, man, he started shaking all over. And I thought, well, another phony Pentecostal. That guy shook all over, and then all of a sudden, man, whoop, he was out. I thought, man, that was a good fake job, because I'd seen so much of that. And I, you know, I'd seen so much that I wasn't really used to the genuine stuff. And so that guy was down there, and he couldn't get up. And my ushers come to help the guy up, and man, it remember the tavern days. Do you remember in, in Acts chapter, it says, these are not drunken as you suppose, but it's the Holy Ghost in them. So they act like drunk people, because they were loaded with the power of God. And so this guy wasn't drunken as you would suppose. They got him up and had a person under each arm and he staggered around and falling around. And I got thinking, he's not faking. And so we had, we had, we had a room that we took people in. We called it our first timers room. And I always had all my leaders come back there when new people came. We'd hook up with him, you know, let people talk to him, get to meet him and know him. This guy was back there and he's kind of, we had a countertop in there by a sink. He's leaning up against it. And I went up to him and said, 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 hey, how you doing? The guy said, what happened to me? Did you knock me down? And I said, no. I thought he was a Pentecostal. And so got talking to him. He was the head deacon from the Baptist church. They'd had a falling out down at the Baptist church, and all these guys came in. There was the leadership team for the Baptist church. He never saw anything like this before. So what I'm saying is this. Just like if you got a hold of a live wire and you got knocked down because electricity hit you, that man got hit by the power of God 
He got slammed. And it was the power of God. I was a vessel. He was a receiver. And the power of God saturated this guy. And they never came back again. So I guess the power of God must have changed their lives. They went back to the Baptist church. But something happened. Have we got time for one more little five-minute thing? Amen. And so, anyway, God has power, but you go by the laws of electricity when you operate by God's power. And so you always want to be not a resistor, but a conduit. And, you know, I'll just say this. When you go to church services, if you feel resistance coming up, stop and pray because... You holding back the power may determine somebody else's deliverance or not. You know, sometimes, sometimes the person delivering may offend you by something they say. I know if all the stupid stuff the last few years my kids have taught me over and over again, Dad, you can't say that. Dad, you can't say that. We've been watching a lot of old movies lately, and you would not believe how the word gay has been perverted. These people, these shows we're watching from the 1940s, 1950s, seem like half the songs about what a gay life we live. Oh, it's a gay old town. Oh, these people are so gay. I'm thinking, man, oh man, how long were they going to pull these movies? And so there's lots of things we can't say anymore we used to say. So some, so if you're, if there's people in a, in a service and you get older people that say words are perfectly good words, except they've been stolen, and you feel offense coming, just stop and look at who we are, what our generation is, and say they didn't know what they say. I'm not going to let this hinder me from doing what God wants to do in this service. I just I know that they meant well, and I'm the one that's goofed up because I've been deceived by modern society. Ooh, I'm glad we're not on the internet tonight. <laughs> I want to look at one more place, and I'll close with this. I want you to look at Mark chapter five. Mark chapter five. And keep in mind that just as we have electric power in our physical world, we have spiritual power in the, in the spiritual world. And that, and that power is the anointing of God. And Acts 1.8 says, you receive that power. And so Mark chapter 5, this is the woman with the issue of blood. We've studied a lot, but I just want you to see something real simple right here. Look at verse 27. Kind of have to pick it up real quick here, since we're running out of time. It says, when she had heard of Jesus, she came to the crowd behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And so she was a good receiver. She was a conduit for the power of God to flow through. And so straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately anointing himself that virtue or power, power, anointing, power came out of him. He said, who touched me? And so Jesus, in this big crowd, was a Holy Ghost power-filled vessel. I'm a Holy Ghost power-filled vessel. You're a Holy Ghost power-filled vessel. And so this woman knew if I could just go to where the electricity is, it's like turn that light switch on. As a matter of fact, I've placed two light switches back this week so we'd do better, et cetera, et cetera. But 
those light switches back there, the way they're made on the inside, when you got it on off, you've disconnected the power flowing into that switch. And so the lights can't come on. You flip the switch this way, the power's there all the time. But it's like that woman said, if I just touch his robe that I've connected to the power, I connect to the power, I'll be made whole. So it's like turn that switch on right there. The power is there, but if you don't make connection, you get no benefit. So that woman touched his garment, she was made whole. And so in a church service, on two ends, on the preacher's end, we're prayed up, walking with God, and over full of power, and we know that we make connection with people, they'll be made whole. But at the same time, on your end, if you're coming in, you've been battling nicotine addiction, or whatever it is, and you make your point of contact, right Maxine, you did that. Woman made a point of contact, got delivered. You say, when the pastor said, come up here, I'm anointed. When I lay hands on you, believe you'll receive, and you'll get set free. Well, when the Maxines come up that he delivered of nicotine, say, I believe in the name of Jesus. When he lays his hands on me, I'm set free. When he lays his hands on me, the anointed God, the burden-moving, yoke-storing power of God is going to deliver me. So anyway, that's kind of how this works. You gotta have the one that's hooked up. You gotta have the one that wants to grab what he's hooked up with. And so, in the church service, we're the ones dishing out to you, but when you go to your friend's house, your relative's house, you gotta let them know, the Spirit of the Lord's upon me. He's anointed me to set you free. I've been filled with the Holy Ghost, and I have power. You've got a problem, I've got the power. If you'll believe that when I pray with you, let me have your hand and hold hands with you. I'm talking about people you're ministering to. If you'll believe that God's going to use me, today's your day. You'll be set free. Amen? And so anyway, that's that's some more about the anointing. And if this thing keeps going like it is, I've got so much more I can share with you. I want to because we want to help people. We are witnesses, evidence producers of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.